and welcome all to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your co-host, Taylor Reeves, alongside my other co-host, Jacob Dupree, a.k.a. Commissioner. How you doing today, bud? Bro, I'm so tired. I've literally been running around all day on, you know, the quote-unquote day off, the observed July 4th, but, yep, you know, home yep. health and healthcare knows no bounds. Yeah, um, I, I'm very fortunate. I just work with microchips, so they're, they're, they're still there. They're still there. The jealousy is real sometimes. All righty. So for those of you that don't know, uh, this is a specific dynasty focused podcast with a redraft kick. Uh, I haven't done that in a bit. So I figured, you know, Hey, give, give the <laughs> people what they remind want. Everybody. Just it's like, Hey, remind. by the way, this is what we do. By the way, if you're on vacation and you're just like wanting to share the podcast, please do so. Cause it's a nice way to just kind of hang out. You know, you're sipping on some margs or, you know, eating some chips and guacamole out on the beach and, you know, listen to our sweet, soothing voices quote-unquote sweet and quote-unquote soothing. I don't know if those are the words that I'd use, but, you know, their words are right. All right. Uh, warm baritone voices? Yeah, that's better. That's, clo- <laughs> that's closer to actuality. I mean, we can, we can agree to that. All righty. So let's get into the news. So the first topic we have today is Delaney Walker. Yes, that Delaney Walker from Titans fame. Uh, believes he has an opportunity to sign with the team will come in camp. Now, this one just kind of blows my mind, which, by the way, this is coming out of uh, Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports. Um, you know me. I'm a huge Tim Tebow fan, obviously, <laughs> oh, you know, by, by the, That's uh, the understatement of the century. Right, right. And, you know, Urban Meyer brought brought Tim in probably for culture and all these other things. But how in the world is Delaney Walker not signed to a team just for like mini camps and stuff. I feel like his leadership and just the fact, I mean, this man has been in the league for 14 years. How is he not just like signed on a practice squad or something? I understand he's had some injuries. Um, so he sat out in 2020 due to COVID. Uh, he had a tryout uh, this past month in, uh, in June with the, uh, the 49ers. Nothing really came of that. That would be an interesting combo if he's able to kind of come back into form. Uh, Delaney Walker on one side and you have George Kittle on the other. That would be that'd be awesome. Um, interesting. Yeah. The unfortunate thing with Delaney, though, is the last two years he was, quote unquote, healthy. He had ankle injuries that limited him to eight uh, eight games uh, for the 2018 season and the 2019 season. Uh, he'll be 36 in 2021. That may attribute to some of it, but I'm like Jason Witten was signed at 38 and was moving at the half a speed of smell, you know, catching two yard passes from Derek Carr Listen, last you're year. Giving for him, the Raiders. You're giving him too much credit there. Okay. Cause he, he was not that quick. I'm pretty sure a snail and Jason Witten old grandpa knees would have a very good race. My money would probably be on the snail. Not going to lie. And I'm a huge Jason Witten fan, but what exactly happened with the hair? You know, it was like gone. And then all of a sudden it like magically was there for my night football and then snapped his fingers. He comes at the Raiders and he's like embracing the the bald guy. I mean, I feel like that's just what happens whenever you go to the Raiders. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go through my mental breakdown stage and just zip it all off. Just keep it all simple. Hey, when in Vegas, baby, you know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, but yeah, so. You know, he was tied in 43 in 2019 and uh, and then tied in 97 in 2018. Uh, obviously, Delaney was known for his peak years between 2015 to 2017 with the Titans being tied in number two and five uh, back-to-back consecutive years. So, Jacob, my question to you is, is one, do you think uh, Delaney gets signed and who do you think he'll sign with? Whoever has the first tight end injury. 
Okay. I think we'll give him a you know the old kick in the tires because I mean he hasn't played football and since really since 2017. Like because in 2019 he played one, two, three, four, five, like six games, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he was out the rest of it. He was out all last season because of the opt out. And then in 2018, he just played one game. So, I mean, you gave the stat, it was what, eight eight games since 2018? Right. I just, I mean, I feel like it's a 36-year-old guy who you're looking at him like for your team. It's it's a limited upside signing, I think. I think that if anything, he'd just be like you said, he'd just be a locker room guy. But even at that, you kind of look at him, you're like, well, do I want to pay a guy the veteran minimum to hold on our roster when I could sign another, you know, young guy just to see what happens? Because, I mean, for instance, like, the only teams that's probably going to throw him a contract like out of the gate. I mean, the Jets maybe because they just have Chris Herndon and maybe he could use some older player to help develop his skill set. But other than that, I just I don't know why anyone would sign him. But then again, I mean, this is the world where Tim Tebow is currently signed, you know, is in training camp. So I guess anything is possible. But I mean, I, I don't see why a team would sign him personally. Yeah, I don't. It's an interesting thing because I feel like Delaney deserves another shot at it. I mean, especially if Tebow's getting a shot at it. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, I, I think, you know, Delaney needs to come back and they need to give him a shot. I think a good spot for him would be Green Bay. Uh, okay. You know, be able to teach Robert Tunyon a couple of things. And especially if Aaron Rodgers comes back, it'd be great there. Um, another spot I could see him is, is uh, maybe, what was I thinking? I don't see why he doesn't go to the Cowboys. I mean, I know they're kind of stacked right now with like young talent, but, you know, bring him in as a veteran, bring him in as that third tight end to kind of be a tutelage there uh, for, for some young blossoming tight ends. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't see why he doesn't get a shot. Uh, Do you, I mean, let's say he does get signed with the team. Do you think there's any chance he's able to kind of rekindle some of that old spark he had and be able to be a top 15, top 10 tight end? I really don't. I mean, he would have to be on a team that also lost their top two like receiving options just because yeah. I mean, in order to be that top, that top tier option, like, I mean, even someone, you know, so like if he was to try to be like Darren, cause Darren Waller is kind of what people originally compared, you know, saying was like Delaney Walker esque. Yeah. I mean, Darren Waller, he's a reception monster. He is also very athletic. And that was kind of Delaney Walker's claim to fame was that he was always good. He just had to get out from behind Vernon Davis for a while in San Francisco. And so it's kind of one of those things of he'd have to go to a team to where he would be the number one or number two target. But once again, teams that are signing a 36 year old tight end who hasn't played a foot, you know, a full season of football since 2017, yeah. they're probably not going to be that great anyways. Like, so, I mean, once again, I keep throwing the jets out, but they're just the first thing that pops into my head. Or I mean, maybe the Texans because they seem to be taking everyone off the scrap heap. Well, I, I think of the two tight ends that the Patriots signed, Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. I don't see why he doesn't try to go back to Tennessee or maybe see if there's a spot with the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, those are those are valid spots. It's just kind of one of those things, you know, what team would sign him to a deal? Yeah, and he just absolutely needs the opportunity. And unfortunately, opportunities are dime a dozen right now. And yep. You know, he, he's probably going to be fighting with the undrafted players. And then, like you said, it's going to be one of those things of he's injury insurance right now is oh, yeah. basically what it is. They're like, hey, Delaney, we'll give you a call if something happens. Pretty much. I mean, he's probably going to be on the short list of suspects, you know, if a tight end does go down to a season ending or, you know, mm-hmm. starts the season off on the pup list. I mean, he's he should be a guy because we have seen him do it before. It's just been a hot minute since he's done it, you know? 
Right, right. And especially, you know, I, I feel like he's had time to heal. He doesn't have as much tread as I think a lot of people think he has. I'm seeing him more as like a 33-year-old, potentially 33, 34. Um, but that's just my, my, my personal opinion on it. But it'll be interesting to see what happens this season. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, so we'll uh, move into the uh, the final topic for the news section today. Um, so this is coming out of NFL.com from Bucky Brooks, uh, which, by the way, that's another cool podcast to listen to. Um, so Daniel Jones, uh, the, the article is called Daniel Jones is about to embark on his now or never season. Uh, I agree. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, the way that team is primed it's either going to blossom or it's going to flounder and you know they're they're ready to hit the reset button regardless with (laughs) if it goes well you know they're going to sign everybody and max it out if it goes bad they're going to get rid of Gettleman. They're going to get rid of Daniel Jones. I mean, those Starting are the first two from scratch. Yeah. I mean, those are the first two people you get rid of. Absolutely. So his, his stats thus far is, is appalling. So he's been QB 24 in 2019 and um, 2020. He, he was already uh, an absurd pick to begin with. You know, he was, he got drafted after, I believe it was Kyler Murray. And well, it, was, it was like the one Oh six and, you know, yeah. Gettleman was sitting there and he was like, well, we wanted to get our guy. And I'm like, you know, like, while I can respect that, there also has to be an element of no other team from pick number six to their second first round pick at number 16 had need for a quarterback. No one was talking about taking Daniel Jones in the top 10. Then all of a sudden, here comes Dave Gettlebro sweeping the leg and saying, I want my boy. Daniel, get over here, boy. And then we saw what happened. He's garbage. Hot. Flaming, stinky garbage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's from Duke, so he's a smart guy, you know? Congratulations. Um, And and, and nothing towards Duke. I just really don't like their basketball team. Um, <laughs> it's because they win all the time, right? <laughs> exactly. Honestly, honestly. I mean, Coach K is pretty cool, but the rest of them, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so he, he threw for a whopping 2,943 yards last year with 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Um, and it's not like they have a lot going there i mean don't get me wrong sterling shepherd is, is a great guy but he should not be your number two wide receiver um at best i think he's a great uh slot receiver and with Kadarius tony being drafted th- that uh wide receiver room just got a lot mm-hmm. uh, a lot busier and especially with kenny galladay being signed but uh kenny may be in a little bit of trouble uh <laughs> <laughs> since he failed to appear in court last year. So he may, he may be held in contempt and may be having to cern, uh, serve some time. So I hope the, uh, the Maras are having conversations with the, uh, the D- Southern district court in New York. <laughs> like, Hey guys, yeah. come on now, help us out. <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, like, like we said, you know, Daniel Jones has been crap up to this point. Um, And, you know, to his defense, uh, Saquon Barkley is returning from an ACL injury. He was out last year, um, who we all know was a terrific player. His rookie year was running back one. And then two years ago, he was running back 10. So he's been a top 10 running back when healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they're they're primed and ready to go one one direction or the other. They have two first round picks in 2022. And that QB draft class is looking good. Um, I mean, to kind of name a couple off the top, we have uh, Spencer Rattler from OU, 
uh, he'll probably be going. And you then um, with an OU guy. Oh, I mean, that's the first guy that came off the top of my head because you know, they're always stacked, at, stacked at QB and I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, um, uh-huh. And then uh, who, who's that QB from North Carolina? Um, Sam Howell. Yeah. Those are, I think are the top two right now. And then whoever blossoms out of the, uh, the SEC, um, they'll, they'll probably be one out of there. Uh, Cause DJ Ungalea is too young. But yeah, so I mean, the way that I think the Giants are looking at it is like, we're going to give one more go with Daniel, see what happens. But, you know, we got Kenny Galladay, we got Kadarius Tony, we got him some options here. Kyle Rudolph was signed. So they've completely revamped everything. And uh, the red heron himself, uh, Jason Garrett, the uh, oh my God. offensive maestro, quote unquote. <laughs> He's Which, like uh, the, he's like the dollar store puppeteer. He's like, guys, look at this puppet I got. I can make a move the arms. Throw a quarter my direction. Like he does the same thing. We saw when he was in Dallas. He's like, we're gonna run the ball sixty eight times and see what happens when we throw it. <laughs> he wasted Tony Romo's. Pr- you know, I can't do it. Can't do it. And uh, yeah, so FYI, they were 29th in passing last year. No shocker there. I know. Um, With a whopping like what eleven passing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it doesn't help when Evan Ingram has the highest uh, dropped passing rate of a tight end. Uh, golly, I so can't believe bad. I drafted him last year. That dude gave me more stress. I was unable to enjoy chili in the fall because of him, because <laughs> of all the ulcers in my stomach. I mean, I'll quickly digress to that, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily a bad pick because he what he was still like I think first on the team in targets, something like something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it's not like it was a bad pick. It's just the dude couldn't catch a freaking cold. Which is ironic because New York is cold. Yeah, yeah. That's our dad joke for the hour. Uh, Nailed it. (laughs) We need we need like a uh, like a A pinging noise. Yeah, just boom. You know, kind of like the Dan Patrick show. (laughs) We hit a hit a topic. But yeah, so Jacob, my question is: Do you do you see any uh, you know any promise with Daniel Jones? Do you see him finally flourishing this year, or is he going to flounder and the Giants are going to blow this thing up? Well, the issue that I have with Daniel Jones is that you know in twenty eight in twenty nineteen his rookie season he threw for three thousand yards, twenty four touchdowns, and twelve picks. Okay, not bad at all. You like we saw that, and there's conversation about if he can take the next step, he can kind of you know not necessarily be an upper tier quarterback, but he can be a guy that's, you know, he's a steady starter. But yet then last year he throws for 29,000, 29,000, that'd be great. 2,900 yards and only 11 touchdowns. And so whenever like I have to put my thought to it, I just don't know because he's been surrounded with the best weapons that he will most likely ever be surrounded with, because if he doesn't do it this year, he'll be a backup. But at the same time, there's no reason that we saw last season that he showed any progress. I mean, he obviously digressed by 13 touchdowns by and only throwing like a little bit under like 80 yards less. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can also argue touchdown regression should come back. The offensive line should be a smidge bit better. Saquon Barkley's back, so that should take a little pressure off of him. However, whenever it comes to decision-making as a quarterback, I heard a fun stat on, I believe it was CBS Sports today, Um they came out and they said whenever the Giants were ahead, their run-pass ratio was 57 to 43. I mean, you're thinking like, well, obviously they're ahead, but at the same time, that's with any lead. So what that's telling me is that whenever they are ahead, they do not want Daniel Jones to have any say in what's happening on that drive or with that team. They kept handing it off to like Wayne Gallman, Devonta Freeman, you know, guys that everyone thought was dead and gone like the last apostles, but yet here they are roaming around again. 
And so I just feel like it's kind of one of those ordeals of you have to pick your side and stand by it. My side is that I think he will improve. I think he's going to finally, I think he'll crack the 20 touchdown barrier, which should not be like a big thing, but it is, it is for Daniel Jones. For Daniel Jones, it is. We'll send him a cake if he does that. I will send him a Daniel Jones cake if Daniel Jones himself throws over 20 touchdowns. I, I mean that. Maybe like a blueberry crumb cake, you know, and like oh, New York. Oh, delectable. <laughs> delectable. But I I do. I think I think he can take a step forward. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a top 20 quarterback, but I'm saying that he will be there next season. And that's about as far as I can convince it. But at the same time, if he doesn't convince – you know, this, the ownership that he can do it, they're going to draft, like you said, one of the top quarterbacks because they're going to be terrible. Yeah. Also, fun fact for you, Lamar Jackson had a similar bad pass ratio to Daniel Jones last year. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Wow. I have to get my shot in every time I can. I'm sorry. Dang. All right. So we hit our quota for Lamar Jackson, um, Burns, and, and OU players. <laughs> um, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think I think Daniel and another thing with it, he's in his third year of his rookie contract. Mm -hmm. And with QBs, we know, especially with uh, first year players is this year is the evaluation year. And next year they're going to go, all right, whether we give him the fifth year option or not, I think he's going to flounder. I think the team is going to fall apart and they're going to blow it up, give Joe judge a a clean slate and restart everything. They're probably going to fire Jason Garrett. They're going to fire Gettleman and they're just going to reboot this thing and get the QB that they really want. And not the one that they were stuck with from, if this was 1975, Daniel Jones would be a top five QB (laughs) right now. See, and, but so I do have one quick question because I just kind of noticed a similarity in my head. Okay. Is the New York giant situation kind of like a, step below the Denver Broncos situation. Because if you think about it, the Broncos are thought to have set up with amazing wide receivers because they have Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick. They have Noah Fant at tight end. Then they have Melvin Gordon in the backfield and they have Javonta Williams that they just drafted. They have a good offensive line. Their defense is supposed to be pretty good. Right. But yet the team is held back by the quarterback. Well, my argument would be, is this not kind of the same situation because they have – Saquon Barkley in the backfield. They have Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. And then on the defense, I mean, they were top 12 defense last season, I think in yards allowed per game. So it's not like their losses were on the defense. My question is, is like, can we start kind of looking at the Giants in the same light as the Broncos? Not necessarily the Super Bowl contending side of it, but the fact that they should be better than they are, but they're hampered by a horrible, bad, no good quarterback. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think it's going to be difficult to kind of look at them in that light just because I feel like they have more defensive pieces than um, New York does. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 definitely getting there where it's it's like it's the poor man's version of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I don't think Denver is is one player away from being, um, you know, the. Uh, Hey, if it's Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, they can be a Super Bowl favorite right no, up there with Well, Kansas yeah, City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're not going with Teddy Bridgewater. I Like, they may be able to get to playoffs this year with Bridgewater. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't see any, like, long-term uh, success with that. Okay. I mean, it was just something that popped in my head because, you know, thinking of comparing Daniel Jones to Drew Locke and then the whole situation, it was just like, light bulb, ding, what if? <laughs> What if in another world? Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back after that. (laughs) That's all I got. 
Hello, and welcome back to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 17. I'm here with my co-host, Jacob Dupree, and it's time for the main topic. Today's main topic is, we're calling it, or dubbing it, Tough Choices. So, Jacob, aka Commissioner, would you mind explaining what Tough Choices is all about? I mean, in, tough in, in the uh, football sense. In the football sense? Oh, man, I was going to take the fun sense. It's like, you know, when you go to a new restaurant... And you read two different items and you're like, they both sound exquisite, but I can't eat them both at the same time. So 17 year old Taylor would have said both. I mean, I mean, that's true. I, I was there. I saw it most of the time. Let's, let's be <laughs> honest. And you ate it all every time. It was fantastic. It was a that's spectacle true. to behold. That's true. It was impressive. Don't feel bad about it. Like, I mean, I will tell my No, I'm, I'm not. Game. After football games, it was like, I could eat a, I could eat a quarter <laughs> mile. It was, there was no stopping. I remember there was one time uh, coach was like, Hey, we got to go. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not done yet. Coach. Like, <laughs> I can't take the plate with me. <laughs> Don't take that tone. <laughs> but so basically this is difficult situations that you're going to have to face in your upcoming drafts, whether it be dynasty startups or redraft or whatever it is. It's a decision you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I okay with this? Am I going to make this decision? Am I going to pick this guy over this guy? I don't know. It's just you have to kind of pick your player and plant your flag and go from there. Yeah, and uh, for those of you out there who are uh, active listeners of uh, of the of this glorious podcast, uh, some of these arguments or some of these namings will look familiar from previous uh, conversations, but we're finally going to give our opinions on which player we're going to take. All right, so let's start up with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Uh, We actually have two positions that we'll be fighting for. We're going to start first with the running backs. So we have uh, Leonard Fournette, a.k.a. Lombardi Lenny, a.k.a. Playoff Lenny, uh, versus Ronell Jones the second. Uh, coming back this year, both players, ironically, I have both of them in the, in the uh, OG Dynasty League, yeah, so I'm excited. I you yeah, you did trade me Lenny. So this is going to be an interesting conversation because I have I have both, so I'm, I'm actually here just asking for advice on, uh, on that <laughs> one. That's the reason I have it on the list. Listen, that's why we do this, right? It's not just for everybody else. It's also for us. We have selfish motives. Like in a later podcast when we're talking about, you know, like best available on like, you know, draft mm-hmm. positions and rookie drafts. Your boy's going to be asking a lot of questions about the 104 because I'm still mostly indecisive. Just, just letting the world know. Exactly. And and sometimes you can't just explain everything that you want to in a text message. Sometimes you have to do it on a podcast, air it out to all the world. Exactly. <laughs> Who else is going to hear, my, hear me complain? <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Jacob, who are you picking? Okay. So, my usual thought process is, to, you know, well, and, you know, a redraft, you just take whoever's later. But according to NFC ADP, they are both going in about 6-7 and literally 6-8. Their ADP has them back-to-back in the back of the sixth, early seventh round. I'm not shocked it's, by that. I don't know. Because nobody <laughs> knows what to do. It's a tough decision. This is perfect. <laughs> but I look at them and I, I just – you see Ronald Jones, you see the first half of the season, how he was just absolutely tearing up the entire league. And I mean, there for a while, I mean, he, let's put it this way. He finished in standard leagues as running back 15 PPR. Yeah. He was running back 20 and that's missing the fi- That's missing two games. And that's also having uh, Leonard Fournette coming in and just sweeping the leg in a couple games other than that. But you look at the absolute tear he was going on 
I mean, against the Green Bay Packers, he had 23 carries for buck 13 and two touchdowns. And then a couple of weeks later against Carolina, he had 23 carries for a buck 92 and a touchdown. The only thing that's missing is, you know, receptions, period. Early in the season, he had a game against the Chargers where he had six catches. Yeah, that's cool for 17 yards. Tom Brady's a smart enough quarterback. He's not going to target that. Then you look no. at Leonard Fournette. I mean, he, for some reason, just fell out of favor in Jacksonville, which is still kind of confusing to me. I, I thought it was Tom Coughlin, honestly. Like, everyone I mean, seemed to have, have a problem with the, the old school mentality. But, yeah, I agree. It was it was a weird thing to see him fall out of, uh, out of uh, favor there. Oh, yeah. And so then you see him come over. And, I mean, he was on the roster bubble in week 13. Like, they told him coming out of their buy, like, you either need to buy in or you can get out. Well, whenever Ronald Jones hurt his toe, all, you know, Leonard Fournette did was step in and score 20 fantasy points in week 15. Then he scored 14 fantasy points in week 16. But then the most important thing was in the playoffs when both of them were pretty healthy, it was Leonard Fournette getting every single touch, every single reception. So you're battling with yourself of, do I believe what I saw through the first majority, for the vast majority of the season, or do I believe what's happened most recently? And for me, I think I would be more apt to buying into Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette simply because I just see what happened in the first half of the year. And I think Bruce Arians is a smart enough coach and he saw what he was doing. I think he'll go back to Ronald Jones to find out, but I think he'll be on a very short leash. The first fumble, the first dropped pass, you know, whenever, if he's in there and gets a random target, whenever it's not Gio Bernard getting it or Leonard Fournette. The first pass he drops, I think he's rotating right to Fournette. So I think all season it's going to be a, you know, the coaching staff will be saying, what have you done for me recently? And why should you get the ball this, this, you know, this down? So I would go Ronald Jones, especially because they have same freaking ADP. Yeah, no, it, it it's going to be interesting. So I'll, I'll take this from a standpoint of, of for, for the league. So I'll use that as the example. Um, I'm going to start Ronald Jones the second but the fact that I do have Leonard Fournette, I'm going to have him right there. Uh, so this this is one of the, the funny things about Leonard Fournette. So Leonard Fournette has had a top 10 running back season every other year he's been in the league. So the first year, he was ninth. The next year, he was 40th. The year after that, he bounced back. He, he was running back seven. And then this past year, he was running back 35. So I'm going to bet on the fact that he may be a top 10 running back next year, but that doesn't mean I'm going to start him week one. I'm going to start Ronald Jones the second week one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then once he heats up, I'm going to start Leonard Fournette. But if I'm in a drafting sense, if I am needing a running back, I'm going to choose Ronald Jones the second because he has proven that he is going to be consistent year in and year out. And not to mention with the way that Tom Brady does, he's still going to get third down back potential. So he's still going to be a top 20 top 25 running back in that system, even if Leonard Fournette is in there. He, he can kind of go to that Marlon Mag, uh, Neil Hines kind of kind of uh, role where, you know, he's going for touchdowns every other game and, and you're kind of able to scale it out who you're putting in your flex position. Yeah, I mean, I had Leonard Fournette last year. I got him a part of a, you know, kind of part of a package deal just seeing what would happen. because, But I mean, the thing that, you know, Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette managers can hang their hat on is they brought him back. He yep. wanted to come back. They mm-hmm. didn't have to. They're cash strapped. He could have gone somewhere else and probably got a bigger contract. And they signed Giovanni. And they signed Giovanni Bernard. So, I mean, 
that backfield is crowded, but I think if you're going to put your money on one horse, you should put most of it onto Ronald Jones because there's no way in your typical redraft you're going to get these guys back to back unless you have the swing pick, you know, at the seven at the six eleven, you know, seven two, or you know, one of those, and they just both happen to still be there. But even then, I don't think that's a very smart idea personally. And I could also see Leonard Fournette like being kind of, you know, kind of the tough guy being like, well, you know, I led it to the Super Bowl last year. We'll let we'll let Ronald have his day in the sun, let him have the first half, and then I'll start warming up and, you know, we'll get going November, December when you need me. Training camp is going to be where the deciding factor is. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to what beat writers and what reports are saying, because that's going to be where you find out who is actually going to be at least the guy getting the majority of the rushing down touches. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of crowded on the field, we're moving into the wide receiver position for Tampa Bay because even worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's even worse. So we have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown is returning. And then of course, Rob Gronkowski or AKA the Gronk. The Gronk. Gronkosaurus. So I I know I put four people on there, Jacob, and I included a tight end, but come on, it's Gronk. Um, (laughs) So, Jacob, my question to you is, who are you picking, man? I mean, you could probably get two out of the four, maybe, if you're lucky. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, who, who are you taking here? If this is me, this is where I this is where I go with my ADP argument. Redraft, Antonio Brown, every time. Not even going to blink. Don't care. Because you are taking your shot. Because, I mean, I think when after he started playing, you know, after that first initial game with Tom Brady, yeah. I think he was like a top 15 wide receiver for the rest of the year based mm-hmm. off of a per-game score. And so whenever you look at that, I mean, you're investing a 13th round pick, I think, in Antonio Brown right now, as opposed to a third round pick in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And so if you're telling me that you can take Antonio Brown right around the 10th round versus investing in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, in the third round, you're maximizing your return because if I, I see this as like an even split, I really think that it's going to be one of those three receivers, I think it's going to switch week after week. But I think the guy who will probably be the most consistent is Antonio Brown, whether it be four catches, 60 yards, whatever. I mean, from a 10th round pick, what what more can you ask from? Yeah. Yeah. In the third round around Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I mean, you can take like a Keenan Allen. You can take other, you can take other guys from other teams, like other positions. Like, let me look at this real fast. Like there's Mike Evans. You can have Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, then there's Chris Godwin. Then you can have Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen. Like all those are the wide receivers that are going immediately following them. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like you can kind of maximize your team's value by taking a different player from a different position. I mean, because that way you're not cash trapping yourself and saying, I have to have this guy hit or my team will not be as good. When you take a guy in the 10th round, you don't care if he hits or not. You see what happens week one, week two. And if you want to, you move on and no one's going to be mad about it. So my vote is officially Antonio Brown. If I have to take Antonio Brown out of it because of the ADP, I'll take Mike Evans because no one in the NFL has ever started with like seven straight thousand yard seasons. So, I mean, Mike Evans, if you're twisting my arm to take one of the top two, but with me, it's Antonio Brown. I mean, dynasty leagues, Mike Evans, he can buy him cheap right now. Everyone thinks that he's done, which I don't understand why. Yeah, well, it's because he's he's quiet. He's he's not out there on the ticky talkies, you know, oh, dan- d- dancing on people. Hey, man, don't don't, don't talk about <laughs> ticky talkies like that. Cat videos, come on. Anyways, um, you know, just it's one of those things that Mike Evans 
And he was even that way at Texas A&M. It was, it was Johnny Manziel and, oh yeah, there's this Mike Evans guy. He's, you know, he's yeah. only 6'5", 250 on the outside, catching balls all over the place. And I was like, oh, so that guy, he's a freshman <laughs> and he's doing that and helping yes. Johnny winning, winning the Heisman. Oh my gosh. Which by the way, it seems like those, those guys need some back pay after the NIL. Oh my um, gosh. Do they ever? <laughs> That was always the going joke with USC players is like Mark Sanchez took a pay cut to go to the Jets, which now seeing that I really, truly believe that I really do. 100 percent. But yeah, I mean, this is tough decisions. Uh, I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. So I agree with what you're saying. If if you're in a position where you're in one of those deep leagues in, in a uh, in a redraft league and you're picking in the back half of the first first or second round, I may pick Mike Evans. But I, I agree with you. My money is on Antonio Brown picking him in, up in the third to fourth round or beginning of the fourth round. Because if you get a top flight wide receiver like a DeAndre Hopkins, and then you're able to start Antonio Brown in your flex position where he's yeah, no, able to average eight to 12 points a game. Yeah. I mean, you're stacking I mean, him in the 10th round. The 10th round. You can literally sit there and you can stack your lineup with whatever you want. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, in the ninth, 10th round, I'm going to scoop up the guy who could be the top receiver with. Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I mean, that's how you oh, win dynasty leagues. I that's mean, how you win leagues period. You just be smart yeah. with your picks. You, you got to be able to have a solid, consistent third wide receiver, a third running back to be able to throw in there. And, and that's exactly what Antonio Brown's going to, to bring to this team. And, and I fully expect it with Tom Brady and, you know, people will be like, well, you know, Antonio didn't act out because he hadn't won the Super Bowl, And I'm like, are you kidding me? Tom Brady had that entire team in, in shape and with another year for them to learn. Oh yeah. Antonio Brown's going to be ready to go. One, one quick thing on Gronk. Uh, I think Chris Godwin is, uh, all right. I'm, I'm messing up thoughts. Godwin Gronk Gronk first Gronk, I think is, is a great potential for a late tight end to be able to pick up. If you're not able to get one of the top four and you're just kind of waiting out, I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll pick up Gronk. That's how I see Gronk anywhere from that 12 to 15 round range you know, being able to pick him up. I think Gronk's going to go higher though, just because it's Gronk and I think he's back. And then also with uh, Chris Godwin, I think in some instances, I think he's going to be a breakout player this year, potentially in some, in some ways, just because it's a contract year and he is playing under the tag. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Godwin is able to do with that. But yeah, there's just so many mouths to feed, uh, but it's Tom Brady. He's going to be able to figure That's it out. It. You know what this tells me? It tells me that I really want Tom Brady for all of my teams. Because if you think the running backs and the wide receivers are all going to pop off and kind of be what we're, what we're expecting, you yeah. want the guy giving him the ball. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. All righty. So moving into our third topic here, um, we're, we're going to talk about the uh, the Buffalo running backs. Uh, and we kind of got into this last week during the news, and, and it's already starting to brew a little bit. We have the uh, Zach Moss on one side, 1A, and then Devin Singletary, 1B. Because right now they're they're both going into that backfield being number one in my opinion with Sean McDermott going all right y'all figure it out y'all got two <laughs> weeks to figure this out and uh, show me what you want show me what you got yeah and you know we talked about this last week you know last week again or even in one of our mock drafts it was you know I like the guy who's later in the ADP typically but with this go around I think where there's smoke there's fire and I think there's been enough building around Zach Moss that you can invest into him. And it's not like, you know, once again, that you're putting in some super high pick into him. I mean, I believe right now he's going around the seven, like the eighth round. 
And so you're telling me that you're getting a potential lead running back for a high volume, high power offense. I mean, even though he's going to get a vulture at the goal line by Josh Allen, even though he's going to be sharing some passing downs work with TJ Yeldon and with Devin Singletary, I would rather have Zach Moss who has a higher propensity to get those short yardage touches versus Devin Singletary, because right now you're able to get Zach Moss in about the eight, seven, eight, eight, kind of that range. And Devin Singletary is, two rounds later, closer to the 10th round. But I feel like with Zach Moss, last year we saw him kind of take over towards the back half. Devin Singletary's had two years to prove that he's going to be the guy and he's been injured or he's been inefficient. And so I feel like his grip on that role is pretty much all but gone. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this is Zach Zach Moss's backfield to lose. Um, he, he, he comes off to me as a very mature young man. Uh, he was very much that a leader when he was at Utah and yeah, no, I completely agree with it. If, if I had to choose between the two far as like waiting in the late round, I may be reaching for Zach Moss. Uh, I, and I'm staying as far away as humanly possible from Devin, Devin Singletary. Uh, cause I think he's going to be like a running back 38 running back 40. He's just, if there's injuries, he'll be good for insurance that way. Maybe you're, you got to trade if you do have Zach Moss, maybe trade a third-round pick to be able to get him and, and bring him in just simply for the fact that he's going to get volume. But, yeah, I, I think, honestly, this is Zach Moss's backfield to lose. Yeah, and, and if you're going to buy, a, like in Dynasty, if you're going to buy a running back right now, try to see what you can get for, you know, for both of them because if, if the <laughs> yeah. owner, if the manager has both of them, most likely they're not happy with what they've, with what they've seen. Exactly. So if you'd rather have Zach Moss, kind of like you said, float a third round pick and some depth guy, his direction to see what happens. If you want Devin Singletary for some reason, throw out a third round pick just, just to see, because you know, Daryl Williams from Detroit. I mean, it'd be perfect. Yeah. Like Jamal Williams for, you know, one of those two, who's not going to say yes to that. Honestly, nine times out of 10, someone's going to take Jamal Williams. Thank you. Jamal Williams. And, That's okay. Me. Names are hard. I got you. Thank you. Thank you. But, I just feel like you know, this is the situation in Dynasty that you look for. It's the, the potential of what could happen. You're trying to buy him before the explosion happens. And so right now, if you are looking to you know, buy into the Buffalo backfield, pick your, pick, your, pick your horse, throw your money at it, and see what happens. If I'm throwing money at a horse, that horse's name is Zach Moss. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting to, to see what happens this year. All right, so moving on to our uh, fourth tough choice. Uh, this one's going to hit home for a lot of people in, in our leagues and just simply for the fact of that we're in the South and we probably all grew up fans of this team at some point, one time or another. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers. Yes, yes, those <laughs> those little guys. So we have, um, it's a very crowded wide receivers, but that's the way Jerry likes it. We have uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and of course, Sadie Lamb. Uh, now, as we all know, you know Dayton had talked a few a few weeks ago on, on the podcast, and he had traded for Sadie Lamb, talking about the potential of of Sadie Lamb. So, Jacob, my question to you is, which of these three are you going to pick? Oh, I hate questions like this. It breaks my heart because you have Amari Cooper, who is the incumbent wide receiver one. Who, I mean, even with the hot garbage quarterback, had I think it was. 1,100 yards last year? I don't know. I'm actively looking it up as we go. Yes, but, he had 1,100 yards last year. Yeah, so he had 1,100 yards last season when, you know, a very forgettable year with Ben DiNucci throwing, you know, passes his direction. The Nooch. The Nooch. <laughs> but you, you have 
sounds like a radio show. Welcome back with the nooch. <laughs> but you you have so he has 11, had twelve hundred yards. Horrible quarterbacks. Then you have all the hype surrounding Amari Cooper or Amari Cooper. I wish around um, CD Lamb. CD Lamb. Thank you. Names are hard around CD Lamb, and you know even their ADP is switched. According to NFC, people are taking CD Lamb over Amari Cooper. It's about the hype, not, man. It's all the hype train. That it. That's that's it. And it's the third round where you're deciding if you want CD or Amari Cooper. And I'm like, uh, of those two, I want Amari Cooper. What has C.D. Lamb shown us that means that he's going to get all the targets from Dak Prescott? I mean, he has five games of rapport with him. Amari Cooper that. has 32. I mean, that's that's just kind of how I see it. But if you don't want to invest that high in a guy, once again, this is kind of a similar situation with um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but to a step down because, you know, Michael Gallup's not Antonio Brown. And Michael Gallup right now is 100% going into the 10th round. And so you're telling, once again, he's not going to have the upside, I think, as a CeeDee Lamb and as an Amari Cooper. But if everyone thinks Dak Prescott's going to throw for 5,000 yards and for 40-something touchdowns, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper's not have, each having 2,500-yard seasons. There's going to be a third guy that pops up that catches the vast majority of it. And so that's Michael Gallup to me. I mean, if you believe in the absolute hype train of CeeDee Lamb, more power to you. I will I will put my money with Amari Cooper, especially if you start off your redrafts with if you go running back, running back, running back, and then he's there whenever you come back around on the turn. That's a, a yes, please sign me up because you're most likely going to have we'll say two top 12, two top 12 ish running backs. You'll have a top 20 running back, and then you'll have potentially a top 10 wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Yeah. And we've seen him do it before. That's my thing. We haven't seen CD Lamb. Yes, he was great. And he had like 900 yards last year. I don't even think it was that much. I think it was total. He had that much, but I, I don't think it was that high. Uh, he had, oh, it was. So it was 935, 935 yards. Yeah. And so while I think that, while that's fantastic, I just kind of think that the Cowboys are going to get back to ground and pound, ground and pound with Zeke. They're going to try to control the clock because they know their defense is horrible. They're going to try to put that team in positions to succeed, not to try to catch up, you know, because we've been through this with the whole, you know, talking about the Falcons and how they're going to be better than last year because whatever that leads Dak Prescott was throwing the ball dang near 50 times a game. And so, I mean, I just think I would rather have Amari Cooper, but Michael Gallup is not a bad late round flyer. Not at all. If you make it that far and you see him sitting there in the 10th, 11th round, scoop that boy up, see what happens. Yeah, no, it, it, this is a toughie. Um, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to take Amari Cooper as, as much as that, that pains me to say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper is the consistent one, but I also think it's kind of one of those things of if I'm picking him in the first or second round, I'm, I'm scared because CD lamb and Michael Gallup are also looking for catches and, you know, I think Michael Gallup, you know, he had a, a PPR wide receiver 25 league uh, before CD came last year. So I think, unfortunately, Michael's going to be the odd man out. I think it's going to be CD and Amari uh, competing for the top catches there for, for Dak. And then Gallup, unfortunately, is kind of be a uh, afterthought. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. That also that, that like you said, there's potential to be able to pick him up in later rounds. And as we know, the NFL, 
there's a lot of parity. And so there's going to be injuries. And if there's, you know, injury to any of those wide receivers, whichever one you have that you picked up late, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of potential there. And you have Michael Gallup in a flex position. He could help you win a league. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. So last season you had Amari Cooper with just under 1200 yards. Then you had CD lamb who had 943. Then how many yards did Michael Gallup have over under 750? I thought it was just over 750. He had 843 yards. Oh, wow. So he literally had 100 less yards than CeeDee Lamb, but yet no one's talking about him. He was still the third option, but yet he came away with 843 yards on 59 catches. And so I I, I think that everyone's writing him off a little too quick. Once again, I feel like, I mean, if, he, if you see him sitting there, grab him. There's He's the downfield threat for that team because you know, CeeDee Lamb had – 74 receptions for 935 yards. He's across Michael, the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Gallup was 59 for 843. So the more explosive plays will come from Michael Gallup, but the more consistency will come from CeeDee Lamb. But one thing, my money's still on Mari Cooper for at least one more year. There it is. Yeah. And, and especially with Dak coming back and him doing that QB hip shuffle stuff and him being able to throw the ball <laughs> down the field. Uh, yeah, I think Michael Gallup is, and I think that was the biggest issue is he had an inept QB play after Dak went down. And so his ability to be able to catch the ball downfield was, it was his kryptonite. He wasn't able to do it because the Nooch and uh, the Red Falcon known as uh, Andy Dalton, Red weren't, weren't, Andy Dalton. <laughs> were unable to get it to him. So yeah, I, I, I think if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm going, all right, let's, uh, let's, Let's all get on my back and let's do this thing. <laughs> Pretty much. That's that. We just, we need to tell uh, Mike McCarthy, we're sorry for revealing his game plan to, you know, the entirety of the world. Right. Right. It's like, do the stuff that you did with Aaron Rodgers when, when he was like good and, and not like when he was like bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all righty. So moving into our fifth and final tough choice. Uh, this one you've probably also heard. I mean, we've we've been talking about these two since the beginning of the podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to all the episodes, please go all the way back there, wherever you may be listening, and uh, take a little listen and have a little tickling of your ear of all the... Uh, the one. Wonderful... Okay, okay. Get your gander on it. <laughs> Just a little bit. All right, so this one is about the uh, Duval County, the Jacksonville running backs with uh, Urban Meyer retooling and reloading that team down there. We have Travis Etienne, the, uh, the creme de la creme, as, as they would say, uh, from Clemson, uh, who was the 25th overall pick in this year's draft and going with the darling of last year, in my opinion, for fantasy football, James Robinson, uh, Robinson, who was a uh, undrafted player who proved himself and was a, a terrific running back last year. So Jacob, my question to you is who are you picking? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Can I defer to the second half? No, no, you have to pick now. Okay, hold on. So the reason this is so tough for me is because I am basically in our OG Dynasty League debating on with the 104, what am I going to do with it? Well, right now, according to ADP, it's most likely going to be James or James Robinson. It's most likely going to be Travis Etienne in that rookie draft. But you just keep hearing more and more things about how Travis Etienne's being used as a wide receiver, how he's being used in all these different ways, which is fantastic, but it also sounds kind of gimmicky. And I don't want Urban Meyer to think too hard to try to get his first round pick the ball. And, you know, James Robinson, 
So once again, ADP is kicking me in the nards today because Travis Etienne is going in the early, isn't going in the middle of the fourth round? Okay. Okay. James Robinson is going in the back half of the fourth round. Yeah. So in Etienne, three five. Okay. James Robinson, you're ready for this? Three eight. Three picks apart is their ADP right now. I hate this. It's because everyone right now is confused. They don't know what's going to happen because you have reports of James Robinson still going to be our rushing downs guy. James Robinson is still going to be used. We're going to have Etienne and Robinson on the backfield at the same time. Etienne's a wide receiver. We wanted Kadarius Tony, but instead we settled for Travis Etienne. All Which is these, a nice consolation. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you freaking lost. It's like, oh my gosh, I went from getting a strawberries and cream milkshake to a cookies and cream milkshake. God forbid. They're both amazing. <laughs> But you look at this and you, you just, I feel like if I'm putting my flag on someone, it's ETN because he was drafted in the first round. That coaching staff is going to have to prove that they're not already inept at their job in taking a running back in the first round and they're going to use him. I think ETN is a prime candidate for a second half breakout because I think he's going to have to prove first that he can carry the ball 10, you know, 12, 15 times a game and get four or five catches a game because James Robinson's not a slouch. But that's also terrifying of me to say because James Robinson clearly showed that he can do it last year. It's not like he was just laid down and croaked over with every opportunity. All he did was rise from the ashes of a UDFA out of Arkansas, you know, like some tiny school in Arkansas, right? Yeah, something like that. It'd be like the running back five in the NFL. I mean... It's, so- it's incredible. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this year. And if I'm in a dynasty league, I'm trying to figure out how to trade for James Robinson, just simply for the fact of the unknown. That's wisdom because you can probably get them on the cheap right now because everyone's you they're on the, such a wide field, wide field of how they feel about him. It's either not worried about it or it's he's hot garbage now and you'll get him for free basically. Right. And, and I mean, that's the question, right? It's like, why do I have to choose when I have both of them? So if, if I were you, I'd be trying to figure out how to, how to trade for James Robinson and go ahead and take ETN at four, but that's just me. That's just me. I'm not you. Um, but yeah, I also agree. I think the potential is going to be with Travis ETN simply for the fact of um, we have the, uh, the blonde goddess, the God, the Godson. I did call him a goddess. Sunshine, that bad. Sunshine. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the number one overall pick uh, was BFFs and uh, played with Travis for three years. So if I'm uh, a fantasy owner, I'm picking Travis ETN um, as much as I love James Robinson. Cause he helped me win a, a league or two last year. Um, he was Shut a terrific. Up, you took runner. my money. All right. Look, 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 look. He, he was a great running back, okay? Um, but unfortunately, Travis is, you know, he's he's the cool hot thing right now. And Urban's going to be like, we're going to install the Ohio State spread option. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to win a lot of games, and we're going to beat Michigan at the end of the year. Urban, Urban <laughs> we're not playing Michigan this year. You're in the NFL now. <laughs> that team up north now is Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think – Based on what I'm seeing and reading of the tea leaves, I'm picking Travis Etienne, but I'm also like slowly but surely, but quietly like trying to figure out trades for James Robinson and just in case it blows up in their face. I mean, I think that's wisdom because right now, you know, according like ADP is this was why we termed this one, you know, tough decision is because at their current ADPs, you are staking your flag and who you think will succeed. If you're in redraft, 
like that makes it much more difficult because I don't. So like last season, Jonathan Taylor was considered a guy that you had to draft and wait on. He yeah. just kind of lucked out from an injury ahead of him and Marlon Mack ripping his ACL in half. Yeah. Well, barring injury, why is Travis Etienne going to be that much more successful in James Robinson through the first six games of the season? Maybe, maybe, maybe the offense is, is the maybe. only thing I could think of. I mean, if, if, but if he doesn't produce at like a top 20 running back, that's a giant sinkhole for your team. And depending on how you constructed the rest of your roster, that's just taking an L on the weekly because you either have to start ETN constantly or you are able to, or you just have that missing hole where you could have, you could have gotten a Chris Carson a little bit later. You could have gotten even a Melvin Gordon to carry your team through the first six games a little bit later. So if in, in redraft, if you're taking ETN, you better be praying and hoping and reaching for running back in the next, you know, round or so that's going to be that steady producer through the first five weeks of the season until you can really see what happens with ETN and see what Jacksonville decides to do. Yeah, no, it's just going to be interesting with Jacksonville in general next year and and what they're able to do. Um, But yeah, I I would definitely say out of the, out of the five tough choices we've made, that was probably the toughest one. Oh God. Yeah. Like legitimately even saying Travis Etienne's name out loud made my heart kind of cringe a little bit because I'm just not sure there's not really certainty, but I think, you just have to rely on the fact that they drafted ETN. They did not draft James Robinson. They found him from the street. Yeah. And they made the decision to invest high draft capital to ETN when they should have made it into offensive linemen, defensive linemen, anything on the defense, really. I mean, a thousand different ways besides quarterback, they should have gone, but instead they chose running back over one of their team needs. I'm just imagining Urban and, and Shad Khan like being in the in the draft in the war room. And he's being like, "Hey, I've been hearing a lot about this Tony kid. You know, I've been talking to Dan. He's going to be great in this offense." Crap! He got picked. <laughs> this never happens to me. This is weird. Ah, crap! Ladies Trevor, who do you want? <laughs> do you want Travis? Does he seem like a cool dude? All right, all right, all right. Let's draft Travis. All right. That, that's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> It's tilting in a fantasy draft and not knowing what to do. So you just shrug your shoulders and say, whatever, whatever. I want to auto draft this guy. Okay. Go Basically. On. And everyone's like, what just happened? Why do they draft a running back in the first round? It's like, Travis is a good guy, but come on. And they're sitting back there. just like, no, this was all part of the plan. I had this planned out from the very beginning. I knew what I was doing. And then you hear Trevor Lawrence in the background. Yeah, I got my friend. <laughs> We're reunited. <laughs> just like spider-man spider-man finger guns all right enough of that shenanigans all right jacob if you wouldn't mind recapping your top five choices for tough decisions oh boy in the tampa bay backfield i'm going with ronald jones in the tampa bay wide receiver room i'm going with antonio brown because that adp value i think is just screaming yep with the bills running backs zach moss is my boy Cowboys wide receivers. I'm going Amari Cooper, but at the same time, if you take Michael Gallup later on in the draft, I think that's a very wise and pertinent decision as well. Then when it comes to the Jacksonville running backs, I'm saying throw a dart at the wall and see whose picture it lands on. With me, when I threw it this time, it was Travis Etienne. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to stand by it. Well, I think it's the first time in this podcast history, but those picks are the exact same choices I made. 
Um, so great minds think alike is how I, I look at that. Either that, or we're both just dumb enough to believe that we think we know what we're talking about. And so it just kind of blends in, right? Look, man, we're high on our own supply right now. Okay. I'm, I'm riding high on 75. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> with that being said, bringing this nice little, uh, scrum delicious, uh, crumb cake to a close, uh, I would just like to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast. We're just blown away by everyone who's been listening. Please rate and subscribe and review wherever you're uh, listening to us. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. Send in your questions. And you can listen to us on Anchor Podcast, Breaker Podcast, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Jacob, where can they uh, also find us at and or send in info uh, or questions as far as a social media route? I mean, if you have delicious cake recipes you'd like to send, you can find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF. You please, like, listen, cake recipes are always welcome. But also, fantasy football questions, roster construction, commissioner ideas, stuff like that. Or if you want to send us an email. Or just hate mail. Like we, just we, hate mail. We'll bring that up, too. I'm no fine death threats, too. though. Death threats are, are a no-go. If you send me a death threat, <laughs> I'll just send you the, the emoji of the guy shrugging his shoulders. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to us at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. We're always welcome for questions, and we're always hoping to help. All righty. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you later. Adios, muchachos. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Done. <laughs>